I'm on the ride of a lifetime. I'm on a ship that's sailing to uncharted shore, and I won't be coming back here. of Mormonism. This is Heart of the Matter. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. It's our, it's our last show of Christmas Day, and we're having a, just a brief problem in our uh, studio right now, so we'd ask you for your prayers for one of our staff who is having an epileptic seizure. Okay, So we just ask you to just take a minute and wait until uh, he's, he uh, recovers from that. I think he's doing. I think he's doing better now. Uh, we're going to begin with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we uh, we pray for you to be with us now. Be with Michael, who just went into a seizure, and uh, we pray that you will help him with this ailment now and later in his life. And uh, we pray for our audience. We pray for our studio audience and for those people who are watching uh, in Idaho, here in Utah, and other parts of the uh, world. Lord, we pray for uh, the technical staff. We are short staffed tonight, so we pray that you'll be with us. Help us with this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, uh, streaming video announcement. You, if you have friends or neighbors who want to watch uh, Heart of the Matter but don't have a television set or can't get it here, have them go to www.bornagainmormon.com. They can watch it uh, anywhere in the world. In the house tonight, we have Noah, David, Tom, Holly, Eric, Klaus, Sharon, Jed, Jerry, Peter, D, and Carolyn, and Lydia. And then, of course, we have our volunteer staff. We're very grateful for them and the support they give us here on the set. We have a new forum, a new website. Go to www.bornagainmormon.com. You can see the new website. A new forum is up if you want to join that forum and participate in dialogue. There's some new rules that will hopefully help it uh, go along a little bit smoother than it has in the past. Shout outs to Gordon and Chris. God bless you. To Lane. To the entire staff at Denny's on North Temple and on 5th South. To Gladys Howell. To Robert and Meg Shanks. To Millie, Ellen, and Kara, they are Lord's Word, Lord's Word faithful who come down from Ogden every Sunday, and uh, we love and appreciate all that you do. To Dave and Donna B, to Lisa R.W., thank you. To Paul D., to Michelle, Blake, and Maddie. To um, Julius R.J.R. and their son, Sam, 
faithful viewer from the basement, we love you and thank you. Hey, and to the entire McCraney clan out in San Diego, my family who may be watching uh, tonight, to Gail Crawford and the girls, to Kathy Maggie, I am proud to be a donkey, my sister, to Scott and Susan Forbush, thank you for everything. And a special shout out this week and praise and thanks to God for a true seeker of the Lord, Margaret, who came to know the Lord uh, Sunday night. We're praying for you, my sister. Keep trusting and turning your life over to Him. Also, a shout out to Maggie and Matt and the Manjik family and to Tyler M. out there in California. All right. So uh, let's go on. It's a little been a little bit hectic behind the scenes, but I think everything is uh, going well. So we appreciate uh, your patience with us, and let's get into tonight's topic. We will be opening the phones. It's a live call-in show, and we'll go from there. And by this time of the night, the gifts have all been given probably. The, the Christmas meals have all been eaten. Some of you have been abundantly blessed uh, tonight. And today, by visits from your family and your friends with laughter and material goods, some of you may have spent the day seemingly alone. Uh, maybe you had no Christmas celebration of which to speak. Maybe you saw no family or had no celebratory meal. And maybe you didn't give gifts and maybe you didn't receive any gifts. There are people listening tonight who have had a rough year. It's possible that you have been strapped financially and you haven't been able to meet your obligations in that way. Maybe you have struggled spiritually. You may have struggled with health problems. You may have struggled with emotional problems. The list goes on and on. Maybe you don't share in the faith of your loved ones and your family, in their interests or values, and you have been ostracized as a result of this. It might be that you are going through the agony of divorce. Maybe you're going through the issues of being a homosexual, the trials of drug addiction, or the degradation of being addicted to terrible things like pornography. Some of you may have had your hearts broken by someone you love and trusted. And some of you may have experienced tragic deaths in your family this year and this Christmas, this day today being very painful for you. I am certain that there are viewers in our audience tonight who are under the impression that they have no viable place for which to turn. I am sure that there are a number of people who wonder even if there is a God, if this Jesus celebration for his birth is even uh, viable, and uh, if there's something truly that can help you uh, get through your pain and difficulties. On the one hand, we have people who celebrated as though they were a king today. To them, Christmas is a sparkling, celebratory, sensual experience. It's heightened by gifts and music and pleasures. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have people who see the Christmas season as a mockery of all they don't have, of all that is dark in their life, and of all that is not right in their lives. In light of the purpose of this holiday, neither perspective is more impressive or valid than the other. The world is full of faithless, celebrating kings who bask in the twinkling lights, and it is also filled with broken hearts of people who have bitterness and despair. This has always been so, and it will continue to be so. What makes the difference in either case is a fact of whether a person knows Jesus Christ or not. Of whether we have come to a living understanding that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to save us. 
So where Christmas people might see some semblance of Jesus or spirituality in Christmas trees and tinsel, and non-Christmas people see hypocrisy, the truth lies not in tinsel or trees or embittered attitudes. It lies in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. It's not an admixture of Jesus and something else. It's not a smattering of Jesus mixed with happy holiday music. It's not no Christ at all. It's just Him. And the purpose of our show for the past two years has always been on you, the listening audience, knowing Him. He is out there. Do you know Him? All around us for the past two months or so, we have been reminded, constantly reminded, of this day today. The efforts at marketing and promotion and sales have been astounding, and yet among the poor and unsatiated and the rich and overindulged, there exists a hollowness in the day that cannot be subsumed by either personal bitterness or ambient felicity. The sole reason for this is there are people who have yet to understand Jesus as their sovereign king. Perhaps there exists no better comparative to present-day Mormonism, which is what we talk about on this show. There exists no better comparative to present-day Mormonism and its growing argument for being Christian than the present-day expressions of this holiday we call Christmas and its facade of being centered on Christ. Like Mormonism today, Christmas is well-orchestrated. It's full of sparkle, imagery of what should be, and self-centered expectations, whether we're on the giving end or on the receiving end. The right music is played, baby Jesus never cries in the manger, and shining night stars burn over Temple Square. Here, in place of merchandise, good living is sold to people. It's a message of being successful, wrapped in bows and offered as an approach that makes bad men good and good men better. Yes, Christmas has its nativities, its bearing of gifts. Heck, even the name Christ is in the name Christmas. But how much of this stuff really has to do with the birth of God, our Savior, and your truly knowing Him? Remember, materialism run amok instead of providing grace and forgiveness brings about indebtedness. Deluded Christianity does the same thing. I'm not going to ask tonight why Christmas is so void of Christianity today. I think it's apparent. But I want to ask why Mormonism embodies a similar disconnect, and I'm going to use this holiday of Christmas as a model to help illustrate my point. On Sunday, in my hometown in Southern California, my wife went to her LDS uh, sacrament meeting and sat in and listened to a talk given by a stalwart sister of the faith. This was Sunday, two days ago. In her talk, which was delivered uh, just those two days before the birth of Jesus, this woman thought it was important to discuss and recognize that it happened to be Joseph Smith's birthday on Sunday. So she commented on his contributions to the world, reminding everyone that it was his birthday that day, and concluded her praise to the man by reading a glorifying statement about Joseph Smith by none other than the current prophet Gordon B. Hinckley. She then segued into a talk about the birth of Jesus. Her actions were of no less effect in diluting the pure mission of Jesus than the local fast food chain I see around these parts that advertises Christmas fries. It's sick. Things like this make Christianity hollow. They make Christmas hollow. 
and it makes Christianity weak. On the same Sunday, but here in Utah, I visited a bunch of random wards and picked up a number of programs and listened in on a number of sacrament services. On one of them, a choir Christmas program of 2007 was included, and in there among they sang the Rejoice the Lord is King, they had a piano solo, they sang the first Noel, and then amidst all of it, the choir gave a number, a great resounding rendition of Joseph Smith's first prayer, a hymn all about the glorious work brought forth by Joseph to the world. I can't help, place, but I can't place the blame for this upon the choir leader or for the stalwart lady who is giving the speech in Southern California. They're merely echoing what the LDS leaders, periodicals, and doctrines have long endorsed, diluting the message and mission of Jesus with Joseph. Oh, you might say, Mr. McCraney, this is a low blow. You know very well, having been LDS for 40 years, that we love the atonement. We love the Savior. We love the true spirit of the Christmas season. This may be so. But what is also true is the fact that the LDS deliberately raised Joseph up as a man to at least be a sidekick to Jesus. And then at most, they even make us accountable to him to enter heaven. Don't believe it? Listen on to some quotes. For starters, the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ was born in the fullness of time, meaning he was born just at the right time to bring the gospel forth into everlasting position. This was a time during the Pax Romana when the roads and the communications and everything was right for his message to be received and go forth into the world. God knew it, and he knew when to put Jesus there. Galatians 4.4 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman made under the law. You understood that phrase, the fullness of time. Ephesians 1.10 says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he, speaking of Jesus, might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. But Joseph Smith and the church leaders that follow and endorse his message thereafter claim that he came in the fullness of time and that he ushered in a final dispensation and that Jesus merely arrived in the meridian of time. Are we celebrating Christmas today or are you celebrating Smithmas? Which one is it? In effect, Joseph Smith and the LDS leaders today rob the Lord Jesus Christ of his ministry by boldly suggesting that what he did at that time was not enough. He couldn't do it. God couldn't do it with just Jesus. God had to bring forth Joseph. And he had to send another one to complete the work. Not only did Joseph usurp Jesus on one who would be at the fullness of time, but he also steps in and he does other things that usurp Jesus' place in the gospel. In a 1988 Melchizedek Priesthood Guide, page 142, Apostle George Q. Cannon says, quote, listen, if we get our salvation, we shall have to pass by Joseph Smith. If we enter our glory, it will be through the authority he has received. We cannot get around him. That was quoted in that Melchizedek Priesthood. Do you want more? From Joseph Fielding Smith, prophet of the church. 
No salvation without accepting Joseph Smith. If Joseph Smith was verily a prophet and if he told the truth, no man can reject that testimony without incurring the most dreadful consequences, for he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Brigham Young said, Whosoever does not confess that God has sent Joseph Smith and revealed the everlasting gospel to and through him is of Antichrist. Brigham Young also said, quote, No man or woman in this dispensation will ever enter into the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. Every man and woman must have the certificate of Joseph Smith Jr. as their passport to entrance into the mansion where God and Christ are. Joseph Smith reigns there as a supreme as supreme a being in his sphere, capacity, and calling as God does in heaven. Many will exclaim, oh, this is very disagreeable. It is preposterous. We cannot bear the thought, but it is true. Bruce McConkie, well, it, it, Bruce McConkie was a leader when I was young, said, quote, It is because the Lord called Joseph Smith that salvation is again available to mortal men. If it had not been for Joseph Smith and the restoration, there would be no salvation. Heber C. Kimball in the Journal of Discourses, Volume 5, says, quote, You call us fools, but the day will be, gentlemen and ladies, whether you belong to this church or not, when you will prize Brother Joseph Smith as the prophet of the living God and look upon him as a God and also upon Brigham Young, our governor. Smithmas. Pure Smithmas. And so we have LDS who don't understand the meaning of the day. They think it's lights. They think the spirit they feel, that they sense when they go to Temple Square and see lights and beautiful music, is the Lord telling them the church is true. They don't understand who Jesus is. Back in 1997, when present-day LDS prophet and President Gordon B. Hinckley was in office, still is in office, he said to the Latter-day Saints in his ensign Christmas message, or should I say Smithmas message, he said this, Joseph Smith was the instrument in the hands of the Almighty. He was the servant acting under the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ and bringing to pass this great latter work. We stand in reverence before him. He is the great prophet of this dispensation. He stands at the head of this great and mighty work which is spreading across the earth. He is our prophet, our revelator, our seer, our friend. Let us not forget him. Let, us, let his memory not be forgotten in the celebration of Christmas. God be thanked for the prophet Joseph Smith. Not too many months ago, a Latter-day Saint in Springville, Utah, wrote a provocative new book where he suggests that the bloodline of Jesus runs through church founder Joseph Smith. And while it could be said that this is merely an unauthorized work from a misguided member, the author supports his theory by quoting LDS prophet Brigham Young, who wrote in 1859, quote, Hidden in the blood of many LDS runs the blood of Israel from numerous directions, including that of the Savior. You know the implication there, um, this is out of the quote, the implication is the Savior had children. You understand that too. So here's another part of twistianity that we haven't talked about yet, but that's what it implies. But he continues on, quote, But it is specifically through the divine blood rite of Christ, through Joseph Smith Jr., that all members of the church are lawful heirs of the promise, end quote. 
All of us, whether believers in Jesus or not, have witnessed the celebration of his birth lose significance over the last decades. As people have embraced the world to celebrate this day we call Christmas. Prior to being a Christian, in my younger years as a Latter-day Saint, I thoroughly enjoyed the Christmas holiday. I relished in the spirit of it and loved the songs, whether they be about Santa Claus or about Christ, it was all the same. It wasn't until I came to know who Jesus was and truly understood him that Christmas, I began to see what it represented and how the world uh, affected it. No longer was I really emotionally driven when I heard um, Barbara Streisand or other non-believers sing Christmas carols. Um, once I came to know him and I understand his blood and I understood my sin and who he really was, Christmas became less and less of a celebration and more of an affront. Mormonism has from the onset diluted Christianity with the things of this world in the same way. It's Joseph and Jesus. It's, it's temples and Jesus. It's the garden, not the cross. The result, we have twistianity. We have smithmas. And we have people who are either so arrogant that they think that they are worthy to stand before God because of their efforts, or they are so burdened that they see no hope. Let's go to the phones, 801-973-8820. 801-973-TV20. I don't have a mic clock. I can't tell uh, who's on, so if we can get the tech people to work on that. In the meantime, I'm going to read some uh, emails. I've got a lot of them, and uh, we'll take calls as they come up. All right, uh, from Stan and Layton, does Satan give instructions to Mormons in the temple? Uh, we have always tried to avoid exactly what goes on in there in deference to the LDS belief that these things are sacred and holy. Uh, but I can say that, yes, he does. He gives instructions and then a voice when he gives instructions uh, for Adam and Eve and which they follow. The same instructions are carried out to the people in the temple and the people in the temple follow those same instructions. So the answer to that, Stan, in Leighton is yes. Rick, also from Leighton, says... You, sir, are bitter and a waste of airtime. You make me sick. Um, and Rick, I believe you're probably watching tonight, so uh, I hope uh, we can get along someday. Jeannie in Provo says, um, do you think the leaders know the truth about the church? And that's a paraphrase quote. And uh, my belief is that some of them know the truth. Some of them are true believers and some of them are ignorant of the facts completely. And I think they're representative. They are a microcosm of the church as a whole. There are many LDS uh, believers who are true believers, knowing the facts. There are LDS people who uh, don't know the difference, and there are LDS people who remain in the church who don't know the truth whatsoever, I mean, uh, who know the truth completely and still believe it. So I guess that summarizes how I think of it. From Terrell and American Fork, uh, I just moved here. Can the LDS drink Coke or not? Yes, they can. The operative thing, uh, Terrell, is can you get into the temple uh, with the actions that you take? So can you go into the temple and do all the things necessary to receive exaltation? And if you drink Coke, can you get into the temple? And the answer is yes. So therefore, uh, that's how it goes. Uh, you know what? It's a great Christmas present. I have my dad on line one. My dad from Southern California on, hold on. Okay, wait a second. 
My dad on line three. Dad, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hey. Hi, I'm waiting for Sean. You're on the air, Dad. Right now? Yeah, turn off that, turn down that sound. Okay. My dad even does it. <laughs> well, how do, I don't know. Is there a delay? Yeah, no. You're okay. What's happening? Happy Smithmas. <laughs> <laughs> There's my dad. There's Smithmas people here. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've uh, eaten all of our fill and, uh, you know, wore Grandma out and me out, and now everybody's cleaning up. <laughs> well, so, that, um, that's... Anyway, a... uh, good luck to you. I like the show. Oh, good. Thanks, Dad. I love you. Thanks for calling. Love you, too. Okay, I'll see you. Bye. Bye-bye. Just a quick uh, insight. It is Christmas. Uh, my dad grew up in Watts, California, and he married my mom when he was 17 and my mom was 14. And uh, they w- had no skills at raising children, and some missionaries knocked on their door, and my mom converted to the church uh, before I was born. They had six kids, and they used the LDS church to help raise their kids, and the LDS church did a, a good job at helping them get on missions and things like that. I'm appreciative of the moral structure that happened along those ways. But uh, he came from a very rough side of town, and the church helped him. And uh, so that's why I have a love, in many respects, for many of the programs and the things that happen in the church. If you read my book, you'll see it's not a complete attack. The only thing I say is that Jesus is not known by most of the LDS people because of the doctrines, and we'll stick to that. We're going to Diana on line one. Diana, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Merry Christmas. Same to you. I wondered if you had ever read Sharon Lynn Bloom's LDS Christmas. No. Okay, I could forward the link to you, and maybe you would choose to put it on your website, and it brings up um, all the LDS beliefs. Oh. I get, you know, confronting um, the biblical beliefs. Okay. And so I... Uh, What's I, the name of it again? Um, the LDS Christmas Story by Sharon Lindblom. And you can find it on the web by putting in your search engine, Word for the Weary. Okay. And I, I, I will fa- forward it to you, Sean. But then I have a question. Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm wondering what, what the LDS person does to define the word incarnate. I mean, that's... That's what this is. is an, in, Christmas is the incarnation celebration. Yes, it is. I think the LDS uh, the, the tradition, I think the doctrine says that, uh, that uh, it is God's Son becoming in uh, flesh. I don't think they would disagree with that. Huh. Yeah, I think they would agree with the term incarnate. Okay, but Jesus is. God in the flesh, and they don't agree with that. They don't agree with that. So they don't believe that he is God in the flesh. They believe he is God's literal son. And the other thing is, is that in reality, Jesus had to come and get a body, uh, just like you and I had to come and get a body in Mormon theology, so that we could progress, overcome the trials and tests, and learn to become gods. And Jesus, he was the firstborn in the spirit world. He had to come down here and get a body too. So incarnate to them may not have the same um, meaning as it does to us, but they do believe that uh, Jesus was a pre-existent spirit and he did come and take on a body. Wow. 
Yeah. There are, di- there are significant differences, though, and I'm glad you brought it up because, on one hand, what makes Jesus' sacrifice so great to us is the fact that he came down by choice because he loved us and saved us, and he was the only preexistent uh, being, uh, God. Uh, the Mormons, the, where it kind of dilutes the whole thing, is Jesus had to come down and get a body in order to become like his father. Right. And so that that's automatically dilutes what his ministry and mission was. Right. And, and, you know, without Christmas, we wouldn't have Easter, and none of it makes sense to me in, in the LDS belief. It's it's very sad. Yeah, you know, and you really want to have a treat. I'm, I'm sorry, LDS. Don't get mad at me, but I was with you 40 years. I know it. Go to their church on Christmas or Easter. I mean, they're getting better, but I mean, the Easter, sometimes I, I think they have talks on uh, home teaching and uh, food storage. I, I think Easter, they don't even, sometimes they don't even go into it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, great call. Thanks so much, Diana. Okay. Merry Christmas to you. Same to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Melvin in Salt Lake City. Melvin, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello. Hey, Melvin, how are you? Hey, I just want, this is the first time I caught your show, and I think you're doing a wonderful job. Thanks. I think it really needs to be uh, brought out to the people because they need to know the truth. So keep up the good work, and God bless you. God bless you, Melvin. Thanks for the call. And what is your website? It's www.bornagainmormon.com. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sarah J. in Springville, as the operators take the calls, uh, says, your ideas on who should be president or not stink. And uh, (laughs) I might agree with you. I am not political at all. I don't know anything. All I know is that a Mormon shouldn't be in office, like I said, because Mormonism does not deserve it. And they will benefit by a Mormon in office. And that's what I truly believe. So we'll go from there. Uh, Diane in Brigham City on the infamous line four. Diane, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, I just had a comment. Yes, Diane. For the first time in many years, my Mormon family invited me to a Christmas dinner Sunday night. And I'm a born-again Mormon. Mm. The only one. And you know how big those Mormon families are. I was telling some of the people there about that. 13-year-old boy who uh, had to put his pet calf down, he probably over the internet, he had called a radio station, and I said, it's on the internet, you guys want to go look at, look at the story on the internet, and they said, oh, sure, and I said, well, it's on a place called God's Tube, well, they decided they didn't want to go onto that website to read about innocent story of an innocent 13-year-old child. Wow. So that's the comment I had. They wouldn't even go on the internet to read the story. It's a good comment. A good, thank you for the comment, Diane. We learned from it. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. You know, very isolated and uh, very protective of, their, of what they see. And uh, it's unfortunate because the more you know and the more you learn, the stronger your faith will be. You should expose your faith to every single critical thing there is so you can see what you really believe. And if you find something that's contrary to what your beliefs are, even if you're a Christian, you should be able to take the heat. And what you do is you open the Bible and someone says, oh, there's so many problems in the Bible. And I've had this happen for years since I became a Christian. You can't trust the Bible. Every single one of the criticisms where the higher critics come and say, it's errant here and it's errant there. Every single one of them have a reasonable and sufficient answer versus Mormonism. I'm sorry, does not. 
But what that does is that will unsettle you and it will make your life uncomfortable and it will make you make choices and we don't want to do that. But it's imperative that you come to know who Jesus is and that you're born again. He gave those imperatives. So that's what you need to seek out. The question is Christmas. He was born today. We don't think he was, but we celebrate that day. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he in you? Have you been born again? If you die, will you go to heaven? All those questions you can have answered in you completely as a Christian. If you can't answer those, it's a problem with the theology you've embraced. All right, let's go to Kim in Salt Lake City on line three. Kim, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes, hi. Hi. Um, I just, we just got on your show, you know, going through the channels, and we totally agree with you about, you know, how the Mormons run things, and we definitely would not like them in office. Right. What I was wondering is, um, do you believe in election, or are you free will? Uh, I believe that we have the free will uh, to be elected. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, what are you? Well, I believe in election, um, that God has chosen us before the foundation of the earth, yeah. and that we don't have the free will to, to decide if we want to accept or reject Christ, because he paid for our sins um, and decided who he was going to save, put our names in the book of life before we were even born. Yeah. So, the, pro the only problem... How could one um, decide to accept or reject if he's already done that for us? Yeah. Well, you know, in, in, in theory and in theology, I actually agree with uh, Reformed theology and, and most of Calvinistic points. But the problem is, is they split and they divide people and they divide the body. And well, they... the Bible says that there will be division. Well, I find that there are some very, right now we're, we're having a division over it. I think that it does more to divide and I think that the spirit of, of it and theology may be true, but I think that there's a leeway that we don't understand. And so, in my opinion, I don't, I don't talk about it and go down that road. I just share with everybody and act as though they have the free will and that they are going to choose and go from there. Well, but, don't you think you're kind of misleading them? If you don't even know the truth, I mean, well, give them that. I mean... Yes, we don't know who's saved and who God chooses from right. the beginning. I mean, look at the thief on the cross that was next to Christ. He was a saved, and he didn't know it till the very end. God mm -hmm. chooses whom he will choose. Right. And it could be at the last breath that we have. Uh -huh. so, so to go around, though, and saying, well, you, it's up to you. You can accept. Don't you think that's giving them... Their, their own work? Well, I also read that it says those who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is the Christ will be saved. And I think that if you read John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the world... As, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God, Romans 3.10 and 11. Right, and so what's the point? So because God has to... When God... Um, when you're chosen and he and you're of the elect, he puts that into you. Okay, and what, what purpose does that serve when you go and you're talking to somebody about Jesus? Oh, you know what? I had a hard time with that myself. I agree with well, you. And tell, Well, tell me what purpose it I serves. Was, I was, um, I believed in free will, okay? Nothing in my life ever really changed except temporarily. So, but I still seeked after God, because that's one of his commandments, is to seek after him. Yeah. So, you know, whether 
were saved or not, it, you know, we're to seek after him. And I just kept doing that. And, and um, I had a really hard time understanding election. Okay, and I well, just tell me, but answer, you got, you got, instead of giving, I, I know you have your story to tell, but tell me exactly how it helps. Well, to, you know what? It's for those that um, don't believe um, in election or don't know if they're saved. The whole thing is to keep seeking God and to praying about it, not to automatically assume, well, I am saved because I accepted him into my heart. There are too many verses and too much scripture that says, God says, that's from his word that says of the elect and of the chosen. Well, well right now, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're proving to me, and, and in my opinion, this is my opinion, Kim, but what you've done is you undermine faith. If someone says they believe, wait, wait, let me finish. Let, wait, let me finish. Let me, Kim, 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 let me finish. Okay, go ahead. Okay, Kim, if you tell somebody that if they believe in their heart and they confess with their mouth that Jesus is the Christ, that they are not saved, that there's a possibility that God has not elected them, you undermine them walking by faith. And this is the very reason why this theology is pernicious. It is not a theology of love. It is not a theology. It's a theology that is embraced by people who understand it and love to carry it around and they pull it out of their back sack and they club people over the head with it. Uh, so I, I'm sorry. That's how I always have seen it. That's how it's coming out here on the show. It's not faith promoting. It's damaging. Now, I agree with you, as I said, theologically in the premise that God knew beforehand, but I don't think it's something that you need to stand on. Okay, how about John fifteen sixteen? Well, this is, a, we're, you know what? Okay, but I, I have chosen you and ordained you. I understand that, and I believe that. But listen, okay, the well, point, the, listen, Kim, we're trying to reach Latter-day Saints who have enough baggage on their head than to wander around and try to absorb well, all the nuance of Calvinism. So you're doing a disservice. Well, you really are. Um, if anyone gets the chance to listen to Family Radio 91.7, uh -huh. um, that's a great, they have a, a program kind of like this where you could call in. Yeah. And it's very Bible-based. It's got an open forum. Uh-huh. They, they, you could call in with questions on the Bible. It's, uh, okay, Kim, get to the point. I've just learned a lot from there. Okay. And Thank you for the plug, and we'll, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Uh, Sam in Salt Lake City. Sam, you're on Heart of the Matter. How you doing, Sean? I've um, watched your uh, program for a little while now, and I've have a, I had a question that uh, has been on my mind and heart for several shows ago, and I just haven't been able to call in. Um, uh, it's, it's the issue of, about uh, hell, where they call the weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. Um, I was. I I think I heard you on a previous uh, Heart of the Matter show. You say you don't think Mormons are going to hell or it's not your place to, to say Mormons are going to hell? I don't say anybody's going to hell. Okay, Anybody. Um, I, that's up to God. Yeah, it's up to God. I believe that also. Uh, but I, I don't understand um, because I've been a Mormon. I've been Catholic. I've been now I'm a born-again Christian. I, I'm covered your bases. And I, um, I concluded the Bible is, is all I believe now. Praise God. But um, I don't understand... Because how I came to Christianity is, if I don't believe in Jesus Christ, uh, I'm going to hell, where there's weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. I don't understand where you get your passion. 
you know, to reach out to Mormons if you don't believe, you know, they're not going to hell. Well, I, again, I, I didn't say I don't believe they're not going to hell. I just said I refuse to assign a judgment to them. I believe in hell. We have a show in 2007 or 2006 that was all on hell, and I firmly believe in it. I believe Jesus taught it, and I think it's a reality. And, but I just don't know who is and who isn't, and I refuse to assign any people group to hell as collectively. I think there are individuals in there who, on their deathbed, prior, secretly, who knows? So to take Mormons, especially, who do believe, at least in a semblance of Jesus Christ, who do embrace an atonement, who do embrace many Christian themes, but have a lot messed up, obviously, that's why we do the show. I mean, I've known far too many LDS who are far better Christians than I am. And I mean, they, they love the Lord. So to categorically try to use hell as the thing that's going to scare them into it, when they have an idea that there is no hell, why would they embrace mine when they have theirs that, that is more appealing? So I just don't go down that road. I just, it, for me, it doesn't work. Maybe for you it does. And there are many methods that we can use to try to reach people. Hell is one that does work with some people, and the Spirit will direct you. I'm not against that. But I just refuse to say any certain person is going to hell. Yeah, I just... Um... Uh, the reason why I ask is because, you know, my only purpose was to be, you know, my only um, uh, conviction of not wanting to uh, go to hell is to, because that's, that's the only reason why I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart. I didn't want to go to a place void of God, you know, where there's weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. And, and um, So do you, uh, has that changed? Do you now embrace Jesus Christ because you love him and what he's done for you? Or is it still the fear of hell? of hell that much anymore, which I probably should, but um, you should? I'm just saying, um, um, you know, Oops. bottom line, you know, because your show is called Heart of the Matter, um, bottom line, you know, is where are you going to go when you die? I mean... So, Sam, this is really an interesting show tonight. It's Christmas, and uh, these are the this what we're seeing is a side of Christianity where I get uh, more criticism. One is on the Calvinistic approach and are you predetermined and God choose you. We heard her earlier and now we're getting Sam and this is from the side who's mad because I don't preach enough hell. They believe that I should be really throwing down the hell finger to scare the Mormons into believing in Jesus. But what you have to understand is I go about it the way I believe the Lord wants me to go about it. Yeah. And you have to respect that as I respect your ministry, large or small, to reach people through the message of hell. Are we in agreement upon that? Oh, yes, yes. I, um, I yeah. don't even have a ministry per se. I just Well, you do. It's a personal one, but you do. Okay, All right, yeah, my brother. It, thanks for the call. I don't know how it impacts people, but um, bottom line is I, I believe if I don't believe in Jesus Christ in my heart, you know, uh, that I'm going to hell. I mean... Whether take it for whatever it is, and I hope it. Uh, um, I hope it. Uh, someone's listening out there. All right, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, bye bye. We're going to Maryland in Idaho. Maryland, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yes. Hi. You're on the air, Maryland. Is this Sean? It is. Um, Sean, I. This may be a far-fetched, a question. I don't know what you'll feel about it, but uh, you know Joseph Smith started the church and was powerful and then his life was ended and now the church is even more powerful and it, sometimes I can almost relate it to the mark of the beast because 
they're getting into positions where they're more and more powerful. I think eventually they'll control the food. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, but but it's kind of scary. Uh, I don't know if you can relate it to that, but sometimes I almost think of the mark of the beast. What do you think about that? You know, I've heard that. I've heard people uh, uh, people have emailed us and told us about that. They believe that the temples are going to uh, serve as a place of commerce at some point in time, of being able to receive the ability to trade. I've heard of, you know, uh, LDS superpowers rising up like a Mitt Romney, not Mitt Romney necessarily, but like a Mitt Romney, things like that. And I, to me, it's, it's, it's just as feasible as some uh, little Catholic guy being raised in a wealthy uh, family in Europe right now who's going to be the Antichrist. I don't know. But- I know my, do- or my sister lived in Idaho Falls. Idaho, and uh, lived next door to a Mormon woman that said one day they would control and that she'd better get on the right side or she'd be one of the servants. Yeah, well, they certainly do in their doctrines and in their teachings, especially early on, have the belief of worldwide kingdom of God domination. They certainly have their hand in buying up a lot of agricultural land. They certainly have people in key positions in government, and they have told their members to be actively involved in government. They have a lot of the things that, that uh, seem to make up the picture that would fit what you're saying. I will admit to that. That's what I think. And uh, for years I've been telling people that, I, you know, I, they're going to be the ones that are going to control the food one day. I, I know that may sound silly, but I've just seen it coming and I've seen the power they have on their people. We had dear friends. We loved them. And, and uh, they invited us to their house and had the missionaries come and, we just couldn't swallow the stuff that they were saying. Of course, we're Christians. And, yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, they didn't even enjoy the church, but they felt like they were stuck. They wanted to get transferred to a place where they wouldn't have to be so involved in the church, you know, because they do control them. They, they do. Them. They certainly do. Well, thank you so much for the call, Marilyn. Well, thank you. Okay, you take care. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Brad in Salt Lake City. Brad, you're on Heart of the Matter. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, Merry Christmas. Same to you. I uh, just have a, a question on a couple shows ago. If I heard it right, um, you had mentioned uh, about the New Jerusalem and yeah. that the Mormons, uh, you weren't so sure that the Mormons were still contemplating and going back to Missouri to the New Jerusalem, and I'm like, did I hear that right? Well, you heard it right from me simply because I haven't heard it uh, taught and a focus on that since I was a kid. Yeah. That's that's what I meant. Yeah. Why, do you know something more? No, I'm just like, I, I I think that is still a big major, unless I hadn't heard something, that that is still a big major uh, plan of the church is to return there and yeah. build a temple, um, even that they own uh, like a whole state worth of property back yeah. there yeah. now, and they're still purchasing land, yeah. and that only certain individuals will be called to go. Yeah. There's a big misconception yeah. that, you know, every, everyone's going to go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, and I, ju- I just wanted to know, you know, because 
Well, when uh, the same, the same, Brad. When I was a kid, they used to always talk about, you know, we're going to get the call to go back to Missouri. Uh huh. And uh, now the only thing I've heard is internet jokes saying that if Mitt's put into office, they're going to move the White House to Independence, Missouri. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because it's in writings that uh, that uh, every every prophet that's ever lived is to appear there before Jesus Christ returns to Earth again. Wow. And so if I, I would be shocked that that isn't a big thing anymore because the Savior is supposed to appear there before he returns to earth again, according well, uh, to their teachings. LDS who are watching tonight, someone pick up the phone, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820, and call us and tell us if you're active, involved in the church, is it still taught? Are you still going to go back and gather in Independence, Missouri at Adam on Diamond and have that place become the new Jerusalem with a new temple being built and all the prophets gathering there? Great call, uh, Brad. Really appreciate it. I, I really enjoy your show. Thanks a lot, Sean. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. The lines are busy. Please continue to call. We only have about 10 minutes left. Some more emails while the operators clear through. From William in North Dakota, why do you insist on teaching what old leaders in the church have said instead of the new leaders? The new leaders have not said anything new. All they've done is spun. The old leaders have essentially given us a concrete foundation of what Mormon doctrine is, beginning with Joseph Smith giving us 98% of what doctrine is, and then Brigham kind of adding up some stuff that was lopped off, and, and then more prophets building upon that. But, I mean, there really hasn't been anything new. It's just a different angle on what to emphasize. And you have to understand that. And so, and that's why they don't renounce anything. That's why Doctrine and Covenants 132 is still in the Doctrine and Covenants. So it's on plural marriage. It hasn't been renounced. It hasn't been taken out. It's there. And they can say, we don't practice it. It's not part of us, everything else. And then one day they could come back and say, you know, we received a revelation that this needs to be implemented. Well, this is a new thing. Well, no, it's not. Turn to Doctrine and Covenants 132. So they always, they, they very, very rarely will say, we don't believe this anymore. Except in the case of the Adam-God theory, which Brigham Young taught, they do go back and say, uh, that is not doctrine. And they, that's why they call it a theory. Brigham Young taught that it was doctrine. He was a prophet when he taught it, and he taught that it was doctrine. Church Today says it was a theory, wasn't doctrine. And that's one of the only things that they've gone back and said no longer. Blacks in the priesthood was the other one. Okay, we're going to Kevin in West... Jordan, Kevin, you're on Heart of the Matter. Uh, yes, Sean. Yes. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make some comments about what Kim was saying in her, her Calvinistic approach yeah. to things. Um, you know, that kind of division in Christianity is really reprehensible to me. I've had confrontations with this myself personally. Uh, when I was a younger Christian, back when I was first born again in that, and really trying to seek the Lord and figure out things out. I have some Christians that really just come really strongly to me and basically, well, basically threatened to burn me at the stake as being a witch and whatnot. And as a student of um, religious history and its impact upon the social world, particularly Calvinism and that, you know, uh, there have been societies that were completely ripped apart. Good. Christian societies, basically, but because of Calvinism and this aspect of, well, okay, we're going to look around and we're going to figure out who's saved and who isn't saved. Well, that one looks a bit odd. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's a witch. Let's burn it at the stake. Yeah. Um, it creates a, um, 
and animosities I don't think Jesus would approve of. And, you know, it's a, it's a form of Calvinism that I really don't think Calvin would approve of himself. I think that if, if you know, you know, very often times we hear these things and, well, that's Calvinism. Well, is it? Right. Now, I know when I was in college, people would say, well, as I say, Sigmund Freud and that. But when I'd get and read Sigmund Freud, it'd be like completely different than right. what even the college professors were talking about. They go, well, now, wait a minute. Right. So when I hear this kind of stuff, I think, now, is it really Calvinism? Would Calvin approve of that? Because that theology, basically what it's saying is, not only are some elect to be saved, but some are elect to be damned. And yeah. I don't think God is in the damning business. I know. I know, and that's, I didn't want to get into it with her, but that's really the downside of the whole uh, Reformed theology. You know what, Kevin? You bring up a great point. This is a show we're trying to reach Latter-day Saints and, uh, and, every, and other people who don't know the Lord, and we have someone who calls themselves a Christian call up and show the exact reason that the LDS stand off and say the Christian church is a mess. It's because people have, have made these big temples toward this theology and they just miss the message of Jesus. You yeah. know, so you bring up a great point. I really appreciate it, ma'am. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, we're going to Darren and Tuella. Darren, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, John. Merry Christmas. Same to you. Hey, I just had a comment. Uh, it was the call to Kim that called in. Yes. Uh, the teacher she's talking about is Harold Camping. Oh, yeah. And he's a false teacher. Is he? Oh, yeah. He teaches that the church age is over. Oh. And he's leading people out of churches like crazy. So, you know. Wow. People well, beware. So what, what's, what station is that on again? It's the family channel. I think she said it was 90, 91.5 or something like that. I've picked him up, I think, on Sundays. Is he on on Sundays? Well, I used to listen to him on the way home from work sometimes. I was just blown away by some of the things he was teaching. It's just crazy. But Really appreciate the insights, Darren. Sure. I just want to mention anybody out there, you know, we are, being, we are warned of this, Matthew, 17, or Matthew 7, verse 15 to 20. Okay, perfect. God bless. Thank you. God bless you. Listen, it's really simple. And, you know, uh, people will criticize Christianity because there's so many different views and uh, Harold Camping on the radio saying this and Sean McCraney saying that and all this different. But, you know, God is a God of diversity and he allows for a lot of thought. When people suddenly start becoming dogmatic and saying, you must do it this way, you must do it that way, there are very few imperatives, really, when it comes to the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is an imperative. Faith in him is an imperative. Uh, how that manifests itself in your life, Paul talked about liberty in Christ, not licentiousness. There is a lot of liberty. Because there's so much liberty, we have a lot of people who have different ideas, and those ideas suddenly become legalisms to them, and they believe everybody needs to follow it like they do. Don't listen to it. And, and what uh, our last caller was warning us against is that we're going to have this happen, and the scriptures tell us that it'll happen. So we love the Lord, we read His Word, we trust Him, and we love others, and the rest of the stuff, well, whatever. All right, uh, wasn't that eloquent? Well, whatever. Let's go to uh, uh, Matthew and Nampa. Matthew in Nampa, Idaho, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah, good 
Good evening, Sean. Uh, my wife, Tibby, and I watch uh, your show quite regularly, and I just wanted to say Merry Christmas to you and your staff this evening. Thank you. Hey, no problem. Uh, listen, it's also such a blessing uh, for your message uh, that you give. Uh, we have quite a few of our LDS uh, friends here in our community, and just a good way uh, to sharpen ourselves in, in hearing what you have to say and a lot of your messages uh, just to help us to reach in truth and in love uh, to our Mormon brothers and sisters. Thank you, Matthew. Just wanted to, I know we're running short on time, wanted to let you know that I'm interested in going on a fast uh, just to submit my physical body uh, to, uh, to just the, the, the Lord here. And I wanted to know uh, what your thoughts on that were biblically as well as, uh, is that a practice that's, uh, that's practiced in the, the Mormon doctrine and belief? Uh, if you just get back to me and just let me know what you got going on there, and I'll, I'll hang up and listen for what you have. All right, great. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks. Bye-bye. We just taught at Lord's Word about fasting and uh, a couple things. One, you do it unto the Lord so that you can uh, subject your body, your flesh, your earthly desires and uh, to uh, control and so that your spirit can uh, draw closer to Him. And no dogmatisms about it. Your fast can be without food and water. It can be with water. It can be with juice. It can be uh, uh, miss a morning meal. It can be go for a week or two, from what I understand. Obviously, I have a problem with fasting. But uh, I know that a lot of very good people do it. And I know that it is biblical. And I know that Jesus recommends it and Jesus fasted. So, uh, but I just think that you need to be careful. I've, we've seen fasting go to extremes and where people start saying, well, how long did you fast? Well, I fasted four weeks and how long, four weeks and three days, you know, and, and all this stuff. And it's got to be to the Lord and within, he, he wants you to use reason and, uh, and, and go with those uh, aspects. I wish I had my notes from the uh, church because there's more to it. If you email me, Matthew, we can talk about it. Uh, Derek and Orem about election. Mike in West Jordan, we're going to hold off. We've got a minute 30 left. I'll see if I can take one of your calls before we go. Uh, listen, we started Lord's Word uh, Sunday mornings, 9.15 to 10.15 at the Gateway Theaters in downtown Salt Lake City. Start the year off. Come to church next Sunday. If you haven't been going to a church, if you don't believe in God, if you're a reprobate, if you're a drunk or a bum or an upstanding mayor of the town, come to the church and just see what praise, worship, and uh, reading the scriptures is about. If you have another church that you go to and you're happy with it, stay there. We're just trying to get people who are missing the church experience to come to Lord's Word. We also meet at University of Utah on Sunday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. You can go to the website at www.lordsword.org and uh, find out all the information uh, therein. Also, there will be no pastor in the pub tonight at Denny's on 5th South. Uh, some people may show up just to congregate. I won't be there. And uh, we are grateful for all the calls, the emails. I had a lot more. We'll try to get through them next um, year 2008 we're going to go through the bible and take all the verses the lds use in the missionary discussions and in the other things and we're going to explain to you the contextual understanding of those verses as compared to how the lds use them so we hope you'll tune in for the shows through 2008 god bless you have a merry christmas and we'll see you next week here on heart of the matter i'm on the ride Going nowhere I am an existential cowboy on the wind 